Thank you, Brother Goff. Thank you, church. God's good to us. It's good to us. I'm just going to ask you to lift your hands to Him right now. Just, Lord, you're so awesome. You're so awesome. Thank you, Jesus. That's it, church. Just take some time right now and just love on Him a minute. Come on now. Oh, God, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for truth, Lord. Thank you for truth. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Give honor to our pastor. Pastor's wife tonight, I know they're not here, but just want him to know, I'm sure he's probably listening, or he will be listening. Just want him to know I appreciate the opportunity to be able to stand behind this pulpit. I want God to have His way. I want Him to have His way. This isn't form or fashion, but there are needs represented here in this place. And you're fixing to face a Monday tomorrow if the Lord tarries. And you've got to be equipped to be effective in whatever adventure you're going to be taken into tomorrow. So I'm just asking God to help us tonight and uh, that He'd have His way. Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Brother Goff, for the word that you gave us this morning. Hallelujah. And Brother Albritton, man, oh man, brother. Fantastic. You've been hearing some good word around here. But in the midst of it all, if you've noticed, there's a vein through all of it. God's trying to talk to us about He's going to do it. He's got it in his hand. He's going to do it. And I have to tell you tonight, tonight is no exception. Hallelujah. So I'd like for you, if you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. And we'll begin reading at verse 23. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Matthew chapter 8. Reading verses 23 through 27. It says, And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Verse 27 says, But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? For the next few moments, won't be very long, I just want to talk to you tonight about your storm and your God. Your storm and your God. Let's all pray. Lord, we thank you once again for the opportunity to be in your house. Thank you for your sweet presence that's in this place here, God. And I'm asking you, Lord, anoint these lips. 
God, to minister to the needs represented here in this place, dear God. I'm asking you, Lord, to move those mountains that would stand in the midst. Oh, God, bind us together. Do a work in us, God, I pray, and help us tonight, Lord. We're dependent upon you, God. We're dependent upon you. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. Give you the honor tonight. Oh, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And you may be seated. Reading in Matthew chapter 8, verses that we just read. You'll bear with me a minute. I want to kind of lay a little groundwork for where I want to go in this message tonight. And uh, we're going to back up and start reading in Matthew chapter 4 and kind of bring us up to speed to where we're at here in, in chapter 8. In Matthew 4 and 18, it says, And when Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea where they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Giving you a background on the disciples that were in the ship that we read about in chapter 8. These men were fishermen. These men were fishermen. And the Lord called them to follow him. In Matthew Henry commentary in describing these disciples, he says they were men that were accustomed to to hardships and hazards. The fisher's trade more than any other is laborious and perilous. Fishermen must be often wet and cold. They must watch and wait and toil and be often in perils by water. Talking about their background. They were fishermen. And here when we read in chapter 8, they entered into the ship and something happened. And as he called his disciples, he had a purpose for them. He wanted them to be able to do a work, and he was going to instruct them, and he was going to train them, so to speak. And, and as we go on in verse 23 of chapter 4, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those that were possessed with devils, and those that were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitude of people from Galilee, and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. His fame went throughout all Syria. Now can you imagine being a fisherman, and you're getting called to follow this man, and the change in what you're seeing from the day-to-day of mending nets and going out to the sea and catching fish, that had to be exciting. That had to be an exciting time. It said there that, that people were bringing people possessed with devils and and people that had the palsy, people that had needs, they were coming to Jesus and Jesus was healing them. He was taking care of their situation. 
And these disciples, no doubt, must have just watched what was going on and they, they were just kind of contemplating about what it was that they were seeing. And his fame, his fame went throughout all Judea. I mean, it was a popular thing. I mean, we're following Jesus. We're following Jesus. Then in chapters 5 through 7, Jesus begins his teaching, not only to the people around them, but he was also directing it to his disciples. See, he was needing to, to explain to them. He was needing to teach not only them, but the other people. And, and in chapter 5, we have the Beatitudes, where he said, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I have to stop and wonder what went through the minds of the disciples as Jesus was beginning to speak about blessed, especially blessed are the meek, for they inherit the earth. The meek. I have to feel like the fisherman wasn't a meek individual. Wasn't a person that was used to taking the back seat, kind of gruff, kind of hard. And here Jesus beginning to explain to them, these are the attributes of a person. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And, and they're just kind of scratching their head going, hmm, wow, that's, that's different. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All these things were just information being delivered to them that was contrary to the way they had been living up to this point. But you see, Jesus was laying a foundation of faith for His disciples. These sayings, no doubt, went against what they knew. But still, Jesus needed to say them in order for them to be effective. Going on in in that chapter, in verses 13 through 16, he talks about being the light, the salt and the light. And going on in that chapter, Christ came to fulfill the law, and he dealt with anger, lust, divorce, oaths, retaliation, instructed to love your enemies. And then in chapter 6, went on to say, give to the needy. That's where he also introduced, when they asked him, teach us to pray, and he said, Gave them the Lord's Prayer and, and all these things coming together for them. And in chapter 7, he goes on to say, don't judge others and ask and it will be given and the golden rule and the tree of the fruit and all of those things. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, 28, it says, And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were, were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. See, his teachings had impact on those that heard. But you also got to remember who also was listening, and that was the disciples. See, I'm trying to lay a groundwork of the disciples. See, we read about them being in the ship and how a storm came. And then once Jesus stepped to the bow of the boat and he spoke to the storm, their reaction was, what manner of man is this? See, up to this point, you've got to understand that, that they were watching Jesus perform Miracles and healings for someone else. It was for someone else. Chapter 8, verse 1. The chapter where we read about them being in the storm starts out this way. It says, when he come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt... Thou can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. 
And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses has commanded for a testimony unto them. And in verse 5, the centurion came to him and asked him, Lord, heal my servant. And the Lord was going to go to his house, and he told him, he said, You're not, I don't want you even to come to my roof, just say the word, Lord, and it'll be done. And the Lord marveled at that, and he healed his servant. All these things coming to pass, and in verse 14, picking up there, it says, When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw his mother's wife laid sick of fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. And the evening was come, and they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with the word, and healed that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. Verse 23 is when they got into the ship. Up to this point, they had seen people healed, people delivered. He'd seen family members healed. He'd seen those possessed set free. They'd seen mighty things. They had been instructed on many things. But in verse 23, they're getting into the ship. With Jesus. I've already let you to know that these disciples were fishermen. That they were used to being out on the, on the sea. And it was a familiar place for them. It was a place for them of confidence. It was a place of them that they had been there before. And they knew how to take care of a ship. They knew how to sail in that ship. But in verse 24 it says, Behold, they're arose a great tempest in the sea and so much that the ship was covered with the waves. Now no doubt they had experienced a storm before. They'd been in storms. And I'm sure when this began to happen, they think, all right, okay, we gotta, we've got to trim the mast or we've got we to do this and, and we'll get through this. But the storm began to get worse and worse. And there was a purpose behind that storm. You see, Jesus, I have to think in of myself, the Lord brought them to this place for a purpose. You see, He allowed them to see all of those things that He had done to others and for others. But now here they are in the ship, a familiar place. A place of confidence. And now all of a sudden their confidence is shaken. And they're beginning to wonder, okay, this ain't working. We're, this thing's getting bad. This, I, I don't know, you know. And they begin to dart, start doubting. I, I don't think we're going to make it out of this. They looked to one another and no doubt was trying to rely on one another. We can do this. You know, we've, we've been in storms before, haven't we, brother? Yes, we have. And we'll, we'll see through this one. Yeah, we'll be okay. But then the storm got worse and worse. There was a purpose. You see, in our walk with God, it's not just knowing about God, but having a relationship with Him. Having a relationship with Him. You see, their abilities and their knowledge wouldn't help in this storm. 
The more that they tried, the worse I have to think got, that it got. To the place to where they finally approached the master and said, Carest thou that we perish? And he stepped to the bow of the boat and he began to, to deal with the, with the storm into the place to where they marveled and said, What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? They were beginning to understand who it was they were following. You see, you go through situations and circumstances. You begin to wonder about things in your life and situations in your, your circumstance. And the Lord steps on the scene. That definition of marvel there says one that causes wonder, astonishment, intense surprise, or interest. You see, their reaction was different because it was personal. It was their turf. It was their place that they were in the sea. But they hadn't experienced leprosy. They hadn't experienced palsy. And some of you, I'm looking in the eyes of individuals here today that you've been put in a situation, in a circumstance that's your personal situation. You see, the Lord wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you. Young people, I'm here to tell you, God wants a relationship with you. A relationship with you. A relationship is something where it is personal. It's personal with you and Him. It's personal in relationships when we have relations, we have working relationships, we have family relationships, and we can see in those different relationships how we interact. When you go through something with someone, it changes the relationship. That's why in marriage so often I've seen it happen, happen to us, and I've seen it happen time and time again. It seems like a couple will get married. And it's not very long they start going through a financial crisis. What that does is that causes them not only to bind together, but it causes them to begin to call upon God and see God work that situation out. You see, it's a relationship. It's a relationship. But when Jesus rebuked the winds and the sea, it built a faith. It revealed to them that He was God. He was showing them that He can and will take care of them. That He was the God of their storm. See, He wasn't only the God on the land, but He was also the God in the sea. And we're going to, we as individuals, we're going to go through storms. We're going to go through situations and circumstances. But I'm here to tell you, you're God. You can rely upon Him. He will take care of you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's all just, let's just pray here a minute. God, we need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You see, it's one thing to believe God for the needs of others, but when it hits home, the game changes. Our confidence, our confidence is shaken. When the disciples came to Him, Jesus wasn't questioning the fact that they were in need, but it was their mental condition that He was addressing when He said, Oh, ye of little faith, 
See, he wanted them to know, hey, I'll take care of it. I will take care of it. But you see, the disciples' perspective was the fact that fear had come in and doubt had come in. And now that they were the place to where they're like, we're fixing to lose our life. But the Lord was there to let them to know, I will, I will and can take care of it. First Peter 4 and 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. The fiery trial to try who? You. To try who? You. That trial that you go through is to try you. And through that trial, you can see a per- perspective of God that you hadn't seen before you went through that trial. I'm going to share with you a personal reference here. When we were living in Idaho, my wife and I, we were going to move to Missouri. And I was working at a warehouse there in, in Boise. And I was talking to my coworkers that day, and we was talking about the move. And there was a trucker that had just come in and docked in, was getting ready to unload him. And he was standing there, and he overheard our conversation and he said, what you got going on? I said, well, we're fixing to, we're going to move. He said, where are you moving to? And we said, moving to Missouri. He looked at me and he says, you ain't moving to Missouri. I said, excuse me? He says, you'll never make it past Elk Mountain Pass this time of year. He says, you're going to have to wait till spring. He said, you waited too late. See, this was in late October, 1st of November. He said, the Elk Mountain Pass is... You ain't, you ain't going to make it. The snow, you have to wait till spring. And Elder, all I thought was to myself, I was like, God said for us to move. That's all I know to do. And so, just like anyone else would, I began to worry about it. Began to fret about it. Went home, talked to my wife about it, told her what he had said, and we began to pray and ask God. I said, God, now, you heard what this man said. We need for you to somehow or another work a miracle in this situation because we feel like this is what you want us to do. So the day came for us to leave and the first day of our trip would take us to where the next day would be when we would go by Elk Mountain Pass. And I can remember going in the hotel room that night and thinking, well, tomorrow is the day. Elk Mountain Pass. Sure enough, we got up that morning, got in our rigs, and we started heading out, and we began to drive, and we was just driving and started up the mountain range. Just kept driving, kept driving. And I'm looking around, I'm not seeing any snow. We kept driving, we kept driving. Pretty soon, I seen a sign up ahead, and it said Elk Mountain Pass. And I looked around and there was no snow. And as we began to crest that mountain and we started on the other side of that divide, I looked in my rearview mirror and it started snowing. I wanted to come by and tell you, your God knows where you're at. I want to stop by here tonight to let you to know you're in the ship because He puts you there. 
You see, he wants a relationship with you. Brother Andrew, he wants it to where when you have that relationship with him and you go to him in prayer, you've got confidence. Because we're living in a day and an hour where this world is going to challenge you. Not only doctrinally, but mentally. You're going to try to sort things out and if you're not careful, you'll try it on your own and make a mess of things. See, that's what the trip in the boat will do for you. That's what getting in the boat will do for you. It'll help you to understand that, oh yeah, okay, I've been here before. I need to let God take over from here. You see, because He is the God of your storm. I don't care what you go through. I don't care what you end up having to deal with. I'm here to tell you that God is the God of your storm. tell you, when I looked in that rearview mirror and I seen it start snowing, I tell you, the, back, the hair on the back of my neck started standing up and tears began to well down my face. And I'm here to tell you, you don't know how many times I've drawn on that since then. Times when the storm was raging and I didn't know up from down, I've stopped and I said, all I know, God, is there was a time when I was coming down Elk Mountain Pass and you kept it from snowing. And it ain't snowing now, but I need you to do it. And I held on to that and, and I clung to that. You see, that's a relationship. It's not just going through the motions. It's a relationship. You see, the Lord, and then the Word lets us to know He takes us from faith to faith. From faith to faith, Elk Mountain Pass, to another time when your daughter is just a baby and she can't breathe and she's sick. And it's 2.30 in the morning and you've got no money to go to the emergency room. And you get up and you're looking at your baby and she's struggling and she's not doing well. And all you could do is reach down in that crib and grab her up and take her into the living room. And lay her in your arms and begin to call out to God. Say, God, you've got to touch my baby. I got no money. I got no means. But I got you. Sitting there in that living room, man, in my recliner with my girl. She wasn't doing well, Elder. I mean, the girl wasn't breathing. She was grasping for every breath she could get. I mean, she was sick, burning with fever. See, I knew he was a god of, of the weather. But now this is, I need a healing. And all it did is I had that girl in my hands on that, in that recliner. And, and I said, God, you've got to touch this baby. And the words didn't even hardly get out of my mouth, Sister Reba. And I tell you, I heard her go. She began to breathe. 
and I could feel her body relax, and I could feel the, 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 her temperature beginning to go down. And I just sat there, tears streaming down my face, and I said, that's my God. That's my God. The same God that stopped the storm there so we could move, he came down and touched my baby, and I could give you account after account after account. But I'm going to stop here tonight and let you to know, church, that God has got you in that storm for a reason. He wants to show himself to you. Let's just lift our hands to him. He's here tonight. Oh, God. Oh, God. God, you know, you know the situations, you know the circumstances, God. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, that's it, church. I come by to tell you, hey, God is our refuge and strength. A very present, a very present, a very present help in time of trouble. A very present. He's not just present, but he's very present. I like what you had to say this morning. Quit giving the devil five-star reviews. Start giving God five-star reviews. He's an ever-present hell, ever-present. Before you even get the words out of your mouth, he shows up. He knows. He knows the situation. Second Timothy 1 and 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I don't know about you, but I have been hell fought in my mind. Seems like as of late, but I'm here to tell you, God did not give me a spirit of fear. But he gave me a sound mind, a sound mind. Verse 8 says, Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us in the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and had brought life and mortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Verse 12 says, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. That's relationship, folks. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. He will take care of you. He will take care of you. He will take care of you. Whatever the need is, He will take care of you. 
whether it's Elk Mountain Pass or it's a sickness in the family, I'm here to tell you He will take care of you. Whether it's a situation on your job or it's a situation in your home, I'm here to tell you He will take care of you. Because I am persuaded. I've seen Him do it. I'm persuaded. When fear and doubt come, I say, it's too late, boys. I'm persuaded He's going to do it again. I said that, I'm going to say it again. When fear and doubt come, I'm persuaded. Say, boys, you showed up too late. My God can do it. like for the musicians to come. Got a question for you. How can you know he's a healer unless you're you're sick? How can you know he's a provider unless you have need? How can you know He can give you peace unless you have turmoil? You understand He brings us to those places to reveal Himself because of the relationship that He wants to have with you. Oh, God, you know, you know, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God, have your way, have your way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's all stand here tonight. These altars are open. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you to come to these altars and begin to talk to Him about that situation that you're going through, that circumstance that you're dealing with. Say, God, I need you. I've been working to try and I've been rowing for all I'm worth, God. I've been... I've been trimming the mast. I've been doing all I know to do. But God, it's, it's to the place now to where I've got to have you, Lord. That's it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, you've got to come down. You've got to help me. You've got to do a work, Lord. Put the pieces of my life together. The puzzle pieces of my life, God. Help us, Jesus.